Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. If we are, if you, if you can speak another language, we'd love to hear from you because we would love to have you come up here and read parts of the Bible in, uh, I can't remember, what was the term that uh, Sally referred to? Heart, heart language, I think she said. Uh, so if you can do that, yeah, let us know because we would love to get you over the next three or four weeks just reading in that language. How about I pray and we will start. Most gracious Father, again, we want to thank you firstly. Uh, that you're a God that loves and welcomes, that sends uh, your son to us to to restore broken relationship, Father. Uh, We heard uh, in that video about crossing the road or going uh, crossing the street, that that you cross the street, that you you come down to us as one of us. So we thank you and praise you for that, Lord. This morning, Father, as we've uh, sung, as we've prayed, as we've heard stories of your gospel going out, uh, Lord, we pray right now that you'd help us to focus uh, on what you want to share with us through your word, that, you, uh, that our hearts would be receptive and open uh, to, to your word and to your spirit. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be here, and I'm going to continue our series on one another this morning. I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever felt like you do not belong? Maybe not on a, a meta scale or just on a big scale as in I just don't belong uh, or, or maybe on a kind of, you know, certain places, situations or environments, you just feel like you don't belong. I can see a lot of people nodding, uh, saying, yep, there's been places like that that I do not feel uh, where I belong. I think one of the most intense places where people may not feel like they belong unless they're on steroids is the fitness center or the gym. Uh, when you go to the, the gym, hands up if you think the gym is kind of a threatening type of place. Apart from the mirrors, I love the mirrors, but the rest of the stuff, uh, the people, ugh, you're kind of like, ugh, people looking at me. I remember many, many years ago, this is going back a long time, I went to a gym in uh, Balga, Balga PCYC it was, Police and Citizens Youth Club. I was doing this kind of rec course and there was this gym there. And I walk in, I had my um, Lycra on and my, my fluorescent drink bottle. And as I walk in, there was a group of Maori rugby players. These guys were huge and they haven't had lunch. And so they were just, they were massive. And I walk in and they look at me and they kind of just snarl like, looked at my, what I was wearing, I looked at my drink bottle, and, it was, and immediately I knew I did not belong. Okay, I started warming up and doing my warm-ups and, you know, that, and they were just like, you need to get out of here before, <laughs> before there's some damage. Uh, I, I, I went on the, some of the machines, uh, and, and they were looking at me, and I realized I don't belong. I had that funny feeling in my stomach. So much wanted to do a workout, but I left and they kind of just was like, good, good decision. Otherwise, you could have been on Channel 7 News or I could have been uh, their lunch for the day, high protein meal. Uh, but, but it's a horrible feeling not to belong, isn't it? doesn't feel great. I can, uh, when I think of not belonging, I think of that scenario where you get two captains at school 
uh, whether it be for sports, and, and, and they look at the class and they have to pick. Have you ever done that? Uh, and they, I'll pick Johnny and you pick Susan and then uh, it's Billy and you're going side to side and then there's always the last one or two and then, uh, you know, you don't want to be the last one or two. It's, that's just cruel. And the last, sometimes what can happen at right down to the end, one of the captains can say, oh, you have Anthony, we don't want, we don't want him. Uh, you, will, you will have less. It, it's, that's a horrible feeling. Maybe you've felt like that. It's not good to uh, not belong. There's this human desire to belong and to be a part of something, a community or a, a group. Look at this quote here uh, by Dr. Kenneth Palter, I think is how you pronounce his name. He says this, a sense of belonging appears to be a basic human need. A basic human need, uh, uh, as basic as food and shelter. When you think of survival, you don't think of belonging. You think food and shelter and, and that kind of stuff. But, but he's saying here, a sense of belonging appears to be a basic human need, uh, as basic as food and shelter. In fact, social support may be one of the, the critical elements distinguishing those who remain healthy from those who become ill. A few weeks ago, we looked at another quote and some various studies in regards to community, that if you are isolated, you're less likely to be healthy, whereas you're connected in community, you're more likely to be healthy. And, and this sense of belonging probably, though, is, is probably a, a little bit further than, than just being a part of a group. To belong means these are, this is my tribe, so to speak. These are my people. I'm accepted. I'm welcomed. I, I belong here. And that's more than just being inside of a community, and it's more than maybe just social interaction. It's, it's a deeper level. And so this morning, as I said, we continue our series on the one another's. I don't know if you can remember, we, we started a few weeks ago, uh, around 100 times throughout the New Testament, we get this phrase, one another. And the authors are, are talking about the Christian community. The Christian community, you are, we are the one another when we come together, one another. And 59, around 59 of those references, 59 of those one another's are what we call positive commands. How we are, as Christians, brothers and sisters, how we are to relate to one another. How are we to do this Christian community, this Christian belonging one another. How does that work? And so there's only like 59 references, positive commands of how we are to do this. That the Christian community, I think I said this a few weeks ago, is not a selfie, but a group photo. And these one another's are instructions, they're commands, they're the building blocks on how we behave, how we engage, how we connect, how we belong with one another. I think we've looked at loving one another. We've looked at, uh, Peter looked at, um, remind me, sir. <laughs> humility. Humility in, uh, uh, in the Romans passage, having humility with one another. Last week, submitting to one another's. And so today's one another is a great one another, and we're going to get to it in a second. But when I think of a sense of belonging, I think a sense of belonging starts with a greeting or a welcome. If those Maori guys, uh, 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 those Maori rugby players, when I walked in with my lycra, said, hey, mate, come on in, use my bench press, I, I would have felt a lot better until I tried to lift the weight, maybe. But, but I would have felt welcomed. I would have felt greeted. Then I probably would have felt like, oh, okay, I belong here. So belonging starts with, a, with greeting and welcome. When you feel welcome, when you feel greeted, you, you, you feel accepted, don't you? 
You feel like, okay, I can relax. I can put my guard down. You feel like you should be here. When we look through uh, the history of uh, humanity, we see that different cultures and different people groups have different ways of greeting and welcoming. Here's one here up on the screen. The first one, which is the kiss on the cheek. The Italians, the Greeks, the French, the Latin America, we do the kiss on the cheek. Hands up if you come from a heritage that kisses on the cheek. Uh, let me see a few hands there. Okay. And I can remember as a child going to some random Italian's house and having to kiss a hairy-lipped Italian grandma. I used to draw, oh, don't do it to me. Kiss, you must kiss. And so I had to kiss. But that was part of the greeting, both sides. Okay, both sides. And, and today that still happens. It's a, it's a way of welcoming, a, a, a belonging, except that you're part of the family with this greeting. I think that guy, he's loving that. He's loving that right there. And then what about this one? A different culture, the bow. Well, what culture would you say that one there is? Japanese. Any bowing cultures? It's not just the Japanese. It's also Indian. Uh, the Indian culture, you'll see on the next slide, uh, they tend to bow with their, their hands together. And again, this is a, a sense of greeting, a sense of welcome. Cambodia, La Laos, Thailand, Nepal, and obviously Japan. This next one is what we call the rub the nose. Uh, New Zealand, here's a culture you cannot do that COVID times. Obviously, that is, uh, that's called a hongi, uh, not to be mix mixed up with a, a hangi. A hangi is when they put the food in the ground. A hongi is this, this exchanging. I actually reckon it's almost breathing in the other person, exchanging of, of the person, a Maori people, sharing of breath, a very deep, again, welcome connection of people. The next one here is uh, the clapping of hands. Now, uh, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, maybe some of those African uh, cultures greet by clapping of hands. And so the, the one person who comes up, I could, I'm probably messing this up completely. The first person claps, and sometimes it's got to do with age and gender as well. One person claps and the other person, and that could get really confusing. But, and I think there's a responding clap as well. So it's, how about I clap, I greet you, and you respond. Okay, very good. You just, you're on the superior in that, I think. No, I don't know. I, and it's just a really cool, and you can see the joy in the clapping, uh, Zimbabwe, Mozambique. Anyone from that kind of heritage where you clap, clap to, to ignite? No, that's fine. All right. What about this one? Now, this one here, similar. You're probably not sure what's going on here, okay? Similar to the, the hongi, this is the sniffing of faces. Okay, it's called the Kunik, I think is how you pronounce it. Greenland, a traditional greetings practiced by the Inuits, where you press one's nose on the upper lip. Uh, another one, skin, you could put it here and here. Either way, I I'm not saying hello if I have to do that, sorry. And again, it's you're breathing on them. A way of saying we are same, we are equal. Uh, interesting how we greet one another. Okay, and obviously with covid it's all out the window. We don't even greet one another. It's like, stay away, maybe if you're lucky. So what has this got to do with the Scriptures? Well, this morning, our one another is this. Look at this, Romans 16, 16. It's mentioned, I think, four or five times. Here's the first passage, Romans 16, 16 says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
This is the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 16, 20. says, again, all brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And then the Apostle Peter here says in 1 Peter 5, 14, says, greet one another with a kiss of love. So here we see this instruction to greet one another with a holy kiss, one another, that that's us. This is our behavior. This is how we engage as Christians to greet one another with a holy kiss or a kiss of love. Now, what's going on here, okay? Uh, to me, uh, I for, yeah, you can show that, that next image because this is how I, I, I struggle with any body contact. Anyone comes next to me, that's the kind of suit that I want to wear. And you may have noticed that I'm not a big hugger. Not a big kisser unless you're my mum or my wife or my children. Stay away from me. Um, so, so how do I practice this? Because this seems like a, a pretty simple command that the uh, apostles are, are instructing. We can take that picture off uh, now. Um, that are instructing us to, to do. Greet one another, holy kiss, a kiss of love. Greet one another, holy kiss. What, what, what is going on? Now, I know uh, some guys have used this as a bit of a pickup line in the church and Christian communities. You've got to greet me with a holy kiss. It's a bit of a pick-up line. Actually, I, saw an, I, heard, I read another Christian pick-up line. Uh, Braden, oh no, I don't know why I'm saying Braden, he's married. Um, I, I was reading the book of Numbers last night and, and I couldn't find yours in it. Is that a good Christian pick-up line? No, okay, anyway, I'm married, I don't have to worry about that. But the greet one another with a holy kiss is a bit of a pickup line. What is it talking about? The New Testament. Throughout it, we see it. And in New Testament practice, the early church would practice this, this greet one another with a holy kiss. Some, I think the Orthodox church, they still, uh, some traditions still do this. Augustine was a big fan of this holy kiss and greeting one another with a holy kiss. Kisses were exchanged. Now, now remember, in, the, in that time and in that context... Uh, the culture, very similar to the European one there, uh, there was families would gather together and they would greet each other with this kind of this kiss. So f for, for the apostles, they're, they're gleaning this information from their, the culture that they're in. And so family members, siblings, uh, elders, grandparents, they would greet each other with this, this kiss. Uh, Weisber, who's a commentator, notes that it's important to note that men kiss men and women kiss women. And also, it wasn't just a greeting, it was also a farewell. Uh, you may have been at some churches where they do that. There's that farewell, that greeting or farewelling with a, with a holy kiss. Um, so what do, we, what do we take on it? The first thing we take is this. The authors who wrote this, they're taking from their, con uh, their culture, and the culture was, as a family gathering, you would greet with a kiss. When you greet, uh, came together as family, you would kiss. Cheek, forehead, hand, that kind of thing. And so think of this. This is what they're thinking. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are what? Family. And so the authors are taking that, that cultural setting. Okay, we as brothers and sisters, while we're not biological, we're not connected family-wise, that we are connected in Christ. And so this is what we do. It's radical, actually. Slave and master, rich and poor, black and white. We're, we're, we're family. We're one in Christ. And so when we come together, we will greet 
with a holy kiss, a kiss of love. And so that's where this, this instruction comes from, and if this, this one another. So does that mean we all have to line up, pucker up? No, not doing it. Does it, though? Interesting question. Let's have a look at, I want to I have a look at two kind of concepts when it comes to uh, maybe deciphering or interpreting scriptures. And the first one is this, between, the difference between prescription and principle. Say the two words, prescription and principle. Okay, what do I mean by prescription? A prescription is this. When we look through the scriptures, sometimes there is what we call a prescription, meaning you prescribe to do exactly this. You will follow this instruction exactly like this. Regardless of your culture, regardless of it being 2,000 years later, this is prescribed. This passage guides us how we should live today. And we see prescriptions throughout the Bible. Do not murder one another. That's a prescription. Doesn't matter what culture you're in. Doesn't matter how long it's been since Jesus walked the earth. That is prescription. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's very simple. That's a, that's a prescription. Doesn't matter what culture you're from. You, love, you pray for your, those who persecute you. Doesn't matter at what time frame you live. Culture, time, and place. We read that. That's prescribed. Nothing changes. And then we have this other thing which we call principle. What do I mean by principle? Well, we see principles in the Bible. You see, the Bible doesn't speak directly to every single issue that we're dealing with. The Bible doesn't uh, do that. The Bible doesn't speak to, let's say, uh, global warming. If you read through the Bible, you're not going to see anything about global warming. You're not going to see anything. Hey, Christians, when global warming comes up, you're going to do this. You don't. However, you do see principles. You see principles where the Bible says uh, where to care for the earth, where to care for nature, where to care for God's environment, where to care for, for, for the animals, that God delights in his creation, that Adam and Eve were to, to work the garden, to keep the garden. So is it a prescription about global warming? No, but we do see these principles about caring for the environment. And you can look through scriptures and you see that, that all the time. Now, again, it comes down to us as humans to interpret them. But sometimes we can make the mistake of looking at things and thinking they're prescribed when they're not. And other times we, 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 can, do the, we can flip it around. Okay, so prescription and principle. The other two ones I want you to look at now is what we call function and form. So turn to the person next to you and say function and form without spitting on them. Function and form. So when we're looking at Scripture again, we want to have a look at this function and form. What does function mean? Well, function is, is the mission, the task, the purpose. Form is how we go about the mission, the task, the purpose. So let me give you an example. Worship. There is no doubt when we read the Word of God, and actually when we look through the, the history of Christianity, we see worship is a primary function of the church. Worship is a primary function of Christian community. We are a singing religion. When you look again through scriptures, you see songs all the way throughout it. So a primary function of the church is to worship, is to praise God through singing and, and, and music. That is the function. But then you have the form. What does the form mean? Well, the form is how you sing, 
how, me, not very good. Or, or, or do you use drums? Uh, do you use a guitar? Do you, do you use a triangle? Is it just your voice? The, the, the thing is, it doesn't matter. The function is important because it's, the function says you will be a worshipping community. The form, well, that depends on what culture you're in. That depends what even you like. And so the way we worship here in Australia is going to be different the way they worship in Mozambique or the way they worship in, in China, the way they were all the different countries, they're going to worship in a different form. Does that make sense? In fact, the, the worship thing has caused so much pain in, in church circles and, you know, should it be a hymn, should it be a chorus? It doesn't. That's, that's the form. As long as it's not breaking any other commandments in the Bible, you can worship with a stick and, and, and my voice. That's the form. The function is the key bit. Can we see the difference? Please nod. Yes, thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Look at this quote here from Tom, uh, Tom, uh, Tim Woodroff. He writes this. He says it's a long one. He says, By form I mean uh, those methods, behaviours and rituals through which the people of God give expression to life under God. The means they use to carry out the spiritual business to which God has called them. By function, I intend to denote the spiritual business itself, those ends which are fundamental and central to the identity of God's people. Function. Function addresses mission. Form has to do with methodology. Function is about purpose. Form addresses means by which purpose is accomplished. Function asks what and why. Form asks how. Function is concerned with uh, which mountain we are called to climb. Form wonders by which route we should travel. I like that last bit there. So do we understand that? This is also with the Great Commission, going to all the world. So the gospel hasn't changed. The gospel is the function we're to share, but there's different forms and different ways that we do it. So when missionaries go to Mozambique, they're trying to say, how do you worship Jesus in your form, in your, in your culture? There's nothing, we, we can make the mistake of thinking that Western culture is the Christian one and therefore more biblical. No, there's nothing wrong with it. That's our form. So let's come back to the text. So we come back to that passage, greet one another with a holy kiss. I hope the, the, the images are going to work. They may not. What is the function? Question, what's the function in this passage? Yell it out. Greet one another. Was, there you go. There's a the function. What is the form? A holy kiss. A little bit swayed. But that's it there. The function is to greet one another. The form is a holy kiss. Now, some have argued against this, but, but we've got to remember that the authors took from their culture of greeting in a family setting a holy kiss. So the command here really is to greet one another in whatever form your culture sets. But I want to say, and so let me, let me just say I've written this down because uh, it's important. Uh, you see, while the command to greet one another is normative, regardless, so the command to greet one another is what we do, regardless of our culture, regardless of our setting. The form uh, was to take a, a common cultural greeting and transform it into a Christian greeting. And this is very important beyond this passage. And we can make huge mistakes as Christians. The Bible allows us the freedom to develop forms that are appropriate in any culture. Again, as long as it's in the, in, in the context and, and doesn't break the commandments of the Bible, to develop forms that are appropriate in any culture in order to carry out a biblical function. Does that make sense? You know, William, I was going to say William Wallace, 
uh, William Booth, the Salvation Army, he copped so much criticism for, for his style of music because it was considered to be from the devil. No. The words were, were words of God. The, the form was, the, he, was, he was doing this, the function and the form, the function to share the gospel and love people and go out and, and reach. He was using a different form. The, the, the sad thing about the, and I don't want to criticize the Salvation Army, but they've almost fallen into that trap again now where they're, they're only allowed to use those instruments. It's like, listen to your founder. He was ahead of his time. And so the function and the form are very, very important. So what's the form of greeting one another in an Australian context? Oh, it was a rhetorical question. No, no, shaking hands. G'day, how you going? So, so there's that shaking hands is probably what it is. But I think the, the authors are saying a little bit more than that. Because remember, what was the greeting? It was a greeting to say that we are what? Family. Okay? We are family. So how do we, how do, we do that? I, don't, I read some uh, lady, she was saying that there needs to be an expressing of love and uh, um, a sense of belonging, welcoming, all that kind of stuff. And I remember Arthur Payne, I uh, love, love that guy, who, the pastor here, and, and, and he used to say to me, Anthony, when, when you uh, meet, uh, as you see people go out or come in, you do three things. And I think this is part of greeting one another. He says the three things are uh, eye contact, physical touch, as in shaking your hand. And what do you think the third one is? Mouth. Say something. Eye contact, physical touch. How are you going? It's great to see you here. So the, those three things, I think, are, are important to this greeting one another. Um, hand, eye, and, and word. Because remember, it's more than just, hey, go on, see ya, a little wave. It's this kind of family embracing. could be a hug. I'm not going to say it is a hug, but it, it's, it's that. We need to greet each other with that intensity and, and that welcoming. Three, three reasons why we greet. The reason one, first is because uh, it's a form of being accepted. When we greet one another, we're saying that we are one in Christ. This is really, really important. When we greet one another, we're saying we are one in Christ, regardless of wealth, race, status, sex, etc. You're accepted. And again, most of the commentators, even on this little, these little passages, say that this was uncommon in the day. That a slave and a master would, would go to church and be able to greet one another on the same level. Because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're all the same. Again, it doesn't matter our race, doesn't matter our culture, doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank or whether we're educated or not educated, whether we're male or female, short or tall, does not matter. And when we welcome and when we greet each other, and I think this is important, eyes, mouth and, and contact, when we do that, we are saying, you're accepted. Doesn't it feel great when someone does that? Do you feel accepted when you are greeted? I do. Now, I know some of us are introverts and we don't like it, but generally it, it makes, helps us to relax. It helps us to relax. Uh, and what a wonderful demonstration of, of, of the love of God. Tim Keller says that the early church was a multiracial, multi-status and experienced a, a unity across ethnic boundaries that was startling. It was so obvious. It was, it was startling. 
And look at these passages, Galatians uh, 3, 26 to 29 says that in Christ Jesus, we are children of God. We sung about that earlier through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor three. There is male or female. You are one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Look how the message puts it. I love how the message puts it. In Christ's family, uh, there can be no division into Jew, no, non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is when you're all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you're all, all uh, Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. So, so we're all one in Christ. And so when we greet one another in our cultural uh, context and setting, that's what we are saying. Look at Acts 10, 34 to 35. This is Peter. If you remember, he, was, he, he didn't want to associate with Gentiles. He didn't want to eat food that was seen as being unclean or, or was unclean. And he has this uh, vision from God that says, no, we're all the same. And he says, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So we're accepted. Not welcome, that's the next point, but we are accepted. When we greet, you're accepting. Do that, Lakesiders. We, we're, we're commanded. The function is to greet one another. The form is however you decide to do it. Okay, so let's do that. The second thing about greeting one another, we, will, uh, we go from accepted to welcome. When we greet one another, we are saying you are welcome. Okay, you're welcome. You're allowed here. When we greet one another, you say you're allowed in here. God is a welcoming God, isn't he? He welcomes all of us. And when we greet one another, we're demonstrating God's love. If, if, when people come in and we don't greet them, or we, 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 we don't let them in, that's not very welcoming, is it? We definitely need to be greeting one another and anyone because it's a demonstration of welcome. There used to be this one individual many, many, many years ago who, who I don't know if he was a believer, but uh, he, he, he had some um, disabilities and occasionally he would come to church and he would come literally straight from, the, from a nightclub and he would smell and he would, and he would spit on me when he spoke to me and, oh man, and I've, I've got a gag reflex that like, I, I, I gag brushing my teeth. So, so anytime he come, I would, I would kind of think, oh, I'm glad he's at church, but I don't want to welcome him. And God challenged me to welcome him. You need to welcome him. You're just like that to me and I welcome you. And, he, and when I would welcome him or greet him, sorry, not with a holy kiss, but when I greeted him, you could see his eyes would light up. That's what we're meant to do. We greet one another, regardless of race, sex, all that kind of, regardless. Why? Because when we greet, we welcome. Why? Because God is a welcoming God. God welcomes us. So we greet to welcome others. Listen to this. It's not a quote, but this was from the hospitality industry. You could put this in a church, how to welcome people. It says, a welcome goes beyond words. It creates a feeling of caring and gives a sense of pleasure. A sincere welcome reaches out and positively pulls uh, guests into the hospitality environment. And, and they have chosen, makes the guests feel like they have made a good choice. 
So that's got to do with just service and hospitality. But I love what they say there. Creates a feeling of caring and a sense of pleasure. When we greet one another, that's what we're doing. Eyes, hands, word. Eyes, hands, word. So accepted, welcome. And then and the third and final point is this, is belong. Coming back to our original point at the start. When we greet one another and when we do it well, not over the top, we don't ham it up, like, hey, how you going? That's, you know, fake and un- unreal. We, we greet everyone genuinely. Uh, we, we, we greet one another. We are demonstrating belonging. You belong. And I know there's crossover between acceptance, welcoming, and belonging, but you belong. You belong. You know what it's like to go to a party or to go to someone's, especially when you don't quite know everyone. When, when you are greeted, there's a sense of, I belong here. When you're standing in the corner and no one's greeted you, how do you feel? Horrible. Don't you? It's awful. So we greet and and we're demonstrating belonging. One of the commentators says, a kiss on the cheek implied friendship and belonging. Because remember, in their context, it was this, you were part of what? You were part of the family. And so when we greet each other, and I'll just use the term eyes, hands, and, and mouth, verbal, then we're saying you are part of the family. You belong. You belong. I'm not sure who said this, but a sense of... Oh, no, we go back to the first quote. He says a sense of belonging appears to be a basic human need, a basic, as basic as food and shelter. And so, so it's a basic need. We're meeting people's basic... It's a need for us and it's a need for others. I can remember, actually, this is my second uh, Nunna illustration in the last two, three sermons. Um, but when one of the things I used to love is going to her house, there was a sense of belonging. And literally, as soon as you hopped out, you couldn't even hop out of the car, or you're about to hop out of the car, and she's, come on in, literally pulling you in to the, into the house. She would greet you with a holy kiss, all right, a holy hug as well. Um, and then you, you knew you belonged you felt welcome, you felt accepted, you felt 50 kilos heavier when you left, but, but you felt belonged, accepted and welcome because of the way she greeted. I've taken friends over there and, and they would feel the same and never met her before. Why? Because of the way she greeted. She wouldn't say, you, you know, didn't talk to them or you stay in the car while my, my, my grandson comes in. She would make them feel a part of the what? The family. So a greeting when we greet one another, is a demonstrating uh, of belonging. Let's end with this little story, because we, we see this story in the Gospels. Um, and you probably know it. It's a story uh, referred to as the, the prodigal son. And it's a great story in, in the Gospel. The story is wealthy man has, has a, a farm and land and all that kind of stuff. And, and one of his sons goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want to take my inheritance now. Bit rude, isn't it? Very rude. Um, I've seen some of uh, the seniors that on their caravans spending my children's inheritance. It's kind of the flip side of that. Uh, this guy goes to his dad and says, can I have my inheritance? I'm out of here. Now, culturally, that, that is really, really bad. And the dad had every right to literally uh, use, I'm not sure if it was right hand or left hand, but back of the hand slap across the face. That would have been the cultural norm. Are you kidding me? Boom, get back in your box. 
Because what that son was saying is, I wish you were dead. By saying that, he's he's basically saying, I wish you were dead so I could take my inheritance. But we know in the story that the dad does not slap him. The dad says, okay, you can have your inheritance. Gives him his inheritance uh, and, and he allows him to go. He allows him to go. And I think that's an important point. Because to, to have freedom, you ha- there needs to be the ability to reject love. This son obviously rejected his dad's love, and uh, God doesn't force us to love him. Love is painful as well. And so the son goes, you know the story, I assume. He takes all his stuff and he heads to a faraway land, and he, and he buys stuff and he spends, and he, he would have had a fair bit of money. He's partying, and, and we, we read that he blows it on, on, on drugs and and rock and roll, and wild living, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and uh, waste all this money. And then we read a little bit in the, in, in the story that finally this, this, this son has blown all the money, and he hits rock bottom, as in his life sucks. He's got nowhere to go, and we know it's rock bottom, because in the story it says he is, is, is looking after pigs, real pigs, like feeding pigs, Culturally, a Jewish person, a pig was what? Unclean. You wouldn't go next to pigs. So this man, is, this son is desperate. So much so that he's working and looking after pigs. And it says, man, the, the food that the pigs are eating, oh, I'd love to eat some of that. I wish I was a pig because at least the pig gets some food. He hits rock bottom. It doesn't get any lower than this. Now, he has a decision to do, make here. What does he do? Does he go back to his home? Uh, does, he, does he ask for forgiveness and swallow his pride? He basically told his dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. I'm out of here. I've blown it all. And so he, he says he hits rock bottom. And then it says he comes to his senses and he heads back to the village. Here's an image. And I've shared this when we preached on this, this, this passage before. There's a tradition uh, a Jewish tradition, cultural tradition, that, and, and to bring great shame. If you were to, to as a, a Jewish person, to go into Gentile land and lose all your money, to lose your father's money was to bring shame, not just on you, not just on your father, but actually the whole village. That this boy had brought shame on the whole village. And this tradition basically was, if that, if that child was to return the elder men would go and meet him at the village gates and they would have this clay pot, uh, the kazar, I think is how you pronounce it, and they would stop the boy. And it wouldn't have been pretty. It would have been, you know, some, you're a loser kind of stuff. And they would break this pot in front of him. And the, pot, uh, the breaking of the pot was to symbolize, no, 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 sorry. Relationship is broken here. You've broken relationship with your father. You've broken relationship with this community. You've brought great shame on this community. Boom, turn around, get out of here. So that's, that's, that's probably playing on this young boy's mind. <gasps> the Khazar, how am I going to handle that? They would have mocked him. They would have spat at him. They would have said, nah, you, you, you've brought shame on us and our village. And so he's thinking about this ceremony. And I reckon the dad would be thinking about this ceremony. Because again, what happens in the story? The dad, I don't know if he hears or sees that his son is coming from afar. 
and he runs towards the gates, or he runs to greet his son, he runs to go to his son. And, and one of the reasons why he's running is to do what? To stop this from happening. He knows that this is going to happen. Now, if you've been in church long enough, you know that, that older Jewish men of distinguished, rich Jewish men do not run, that they don't run. Uh, they, uh, they, he lifted up his garment, which they do not do. Again, that would bring shame on him. But we read that he lifted up his garment and he Usain bolted it to the front of the gates. Why? Because he wanted to greet his son. He wants to stop this happening doesn't want his son to go through this to be humiliated and and again you know what happens he gets to the gates and what does he do does he slap his son does he say rack off I don't want anything to do with you does he say I hope you've brought the money back does he say you better pay me back or what's going on I haven't seen no let's read the passage it says this but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, again, big no-no. He threw his arms around him, and he what? Kissed him. Kissed him. He greeted him. He felt accepted, welcomed, and what? Belonging. Accepted, welcomed, and belonged. The son then starts trying to say, oh, dad, 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 I'm so sorry I can pay you back. Dad, 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 I've made the big... And dad says, just shush. Causing his servants, we're having a party. We're having a party. And the last bit, verse 24 says, "For uh, this son of mine was dead and, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, uh, God says, Jesus, that that's what he does for every single one of us. That he runs to us. There's a song, I can't remember the song, but it talks about that. Um, Even the 99, the one song, that's, that's that concept of he comes after us, he pursues us. He welcomes us, he accepts us, and he says, here is your place of belonging. Here is your place of belonging. Every single time we come together as a church community, whether it be in a larger gathering, whether it be in smaller gatherings, we should be thinking of the story of the prodigal son and that we should greet one another with that same intensity. Again, I'm not saying we have to kiss each other. The same heart intent that says, hey, you're accepted, you're welcomed, you belong because we are one in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And that's why the Apostle Paul and Peter and a few others say that when we get together, that is one of the key one another's. Eyes, mouth, touch. Let me pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that you're, you're, you're a God, you're a Father that runs to us so that our shame can be taken away. Father, we pray uh, and we know uh, that, that's, that it's horrible when we don't have a place where we belong. And Lord, your, your word says that the church is meant to be a place where we belong, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our culture or heritage, regardless of our, our gender, regardless of 
uh, whether we've gone to university or we, we haven't, regardless, Lord, of, of our sin, regardless of our past, Lord, we, we come to church and, 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 and through you, we're accepted, we are welcomed, and we belong. Father, help us to be people that greet one another with that intent. Lord, help us to be people that greet each other, where, where other people say, wow, I feel welcomed, I feel accepted, I feel uh, like this is a place I belong. Lord, I ask and pray that we would do that individually and, and obviously collectively as a church. We pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand?